um, with oil prices. Uh, we were at our conference lunch today, and someone said, you know, oil is going to go to $4 a gallon. And Senator Boxer, sitting next to me, said it's already $4 a gallon in my hometown in California. Well, um, it is well over $3 a gallon in most of our, uh, in most of our constituencies. And, uh, um, and we're paying uh, that money, in my view, because we lack an energy policy. What up, peeps? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is June 8th, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube. Subscribe if you have not. And that was the guy that used to be known as Joe Biden. I suppose he's still known as Joe Biden at some level, but he is clearly a shell of him, of his former self. That's him like 30 years ago when he could get a sentence together pretty cleanly. Uh, and in that case, he was really talking about how it is on the people who are in charge of the government to do something related to energy policy when uh, the gas prices are going high. But apparently the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden now doesn't know that he's in charge, thus they're kind of waving their hands. Uh, we got a jam-packed show. We just did the run-through, and I'm feeling very good about what you are going to get today. We are going to talk about the Democrats' crazy messaging, their crazy policies, how they're going to scare you to keep you around. And then uh, there were a bunch of elections yesterday, and they did not go well for the last five remaining good liberals. I have tried to talk to these people. I have said to you people, hey, you're a sane liberal. Well, basically you're just kind of a modern conservative and you can ally with people on the right who can agree to disagree. Uh, you have to stop trying to make sense out of the Democratic Party. You have to stop trying to work with the progressives. There's nothing left. There is no bottom to that hole. Uh, but a bunch of them keep trying. And I think after yesterday, perhaps a few of them will look in the mirror and realize that it ain't gonna work. Uh, before we get to all that though, I do wanna remind you guys that because the tour was so successful, uh, we are adding one final stop in my adopted hometown of Miami. We got an image for you. And my voice is cracking a little bit today. Uh, Ju July 14th at the Miami Improv. Uh, tickets are selling fast. I will have at least one special guest from sunny, hot, summer, humid Miami, DaveRubin.com slash events if you want to join us. Uh, and uh, that's the theme of the show today. They, these people don't know what they're doing. They are lying. We are going to mock the hell out of them. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Alto IRA. Uh, guys, you know, cryptocurrency may represent the future of money. It's one of the most exciting investment opportunities to come around for some time. But what about taxes? With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. There are multiple ways to fund your account. You can make a cash contribution, transfer cash from an existing IRA, or roll over an old 401k. You can trade all you want without the tax headache, and you can create an account in just a few minutes. Ready to take your investments to the next level? Diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches. Open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as 10 bucks. Just go to Alto IRA dot com slash Ruben. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash Ruben. Start investing in crypto today. Go to altoira dot com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right. So yesterday I saw a clip of this uh, woman who replaced Jen Psaki and she's a black lesbian. And I don't care about the color of your skin and I don't care who you're sleeping with. That goes for everybody. It goes for you. 
than you and you watching this right now. What I do care is if you are in a position of power that you are, let's say, roughly competent. That would be nice. That you wouldn't lie all the time. That your driving force in life wouldn't be to deny truth, especially if you were, say, I don't know, White House press secretary. Well, this woman, Corrine Jean-Pierre, in the two weeks on the job, basically is worse than Jen Psaki. It is incredible, I cannot believe it, but she is worse. Listen to this lie. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration and other experts as well, is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position. Lie? Do you think that was a lie? I, I, I mean, that's so off the charts, bananas, liar, liar, pantsuit on fire stuff right there. But what's interesting is even within the way she's saying it, she's telling you it's a lie, right? Because she's not saying it's a fact that the economy is doing well. What she says is what we're trying to say doesn't mean it's true. We're just trying to say it, right? We're just trying to say it. We feel that the economy is doing well. We feel that the right markers are out there to turn this thing around. That is such an absolute lie. And as I've been saying to you a lot lately, I don't even need to show you the numbers on that. You know it's a lie, right? There is just no way around it, in essence. Uh, but then she got questioned on it a bit more, and she explained herself about why she was saying something that we obviously know isn't true. You're saying that people feel good about their personal financial situation. High gas prices, people can't get baby formula, the supply chain is messed up, uh, everything is more expensive. But Where's the good part? So the survey that I just read off started in 2013, and that is the first time that we saw numbers like this since 2013. So that does no, that does mean something. Just like you gave me 83 percent, I'm giving you I'm newer I, than 2013. 61 percent are saying now in this Wall Street Journal poll they are generally pessimistic about people having an opportunity to achieve the American dream. How's that gonna look on a, so on a bumper sticker? I guess sticker? What, I'm, what I'm trying to say, Peter, is that we understand that people are feeling, feeling this. <laughs> that is fan-freaking-tastic. So first off, of course, the guy asking her the question, that's Peter Ducey over at Fox, who I often say he is like the number one journalist right now, and how refreshing to be able to say the word journalist and not do the air quotes thing, right? So at the end there, what she says is after he knocks her off her ridiculous high horse uh, with facts, her quote, it's just so perfect. It's exactly what she did in the previous segment. What I'm trying to say is that we understand people are feeling this. What I'm trying to say is it has nothing to do with reality. Uh, we understand, we feel that you're feeling it. We know that uh, it's pretty bad out there, but you know, uh, despite the badness out there, uh, we feel that we're gonna say things that aren't true to make you feel better than they are. But this thing, this big lie, right? They think we are all about the big lie. They are about the big lie because their big lie is a gajillion lies, which sort of morph into one big lie, much like Devastator, who was a Constructicon, a Decepticon who was created out of five different trucks that created the big Devastator. You remember that, Google, if you don't know what I'm talking about. But they lie about absolutely everything to the point now where not only are they lying, they're realizing that none of the stuff is working, but what do they have? Well, Janet Yellen, she has something very, very special. Wait to the end of this one. 
There's no question that we have huge inflation pressures, that inflation is really our top economic problem at this point, and that it's critical that we address it. So um, I, do I do expect inflation to remain high, although I very much hope that it will be coming down now. <laughs> she has hope. She has hope. Jean Corinne, she feels something. This woman's got hope. The ship is sinking, people. Do you see what's going on here? As uh, Andy Dufresne said, hope is a good thing. Okay, if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption in a while, you probably should. But the point is their policies are not working. And even though they own the media, right? Even though they own the entire messaging apparatus, they're starting to crack. They really are. They are underwater and they're trying to cover their butts and the messaging ain't working, people. We got more on that in just a second. Let me talk to you about GenuCell for a moment. You know, do you ever take a look in the mirror and notice dark spots on your face? It can certainly be a concern for me since I'm now an official resident of hot and sunny Florida. The sun can bring out some spots on your face. Well, I got some good news for you. There's only one week left for GenuCell's summer clearance sale. You can save over 60% off GenuCell's most popular package at GenuCell.com. Order today and get GenuCell's dark spot corrector to visibly reduce those pesky dark spots for free. The GenuCell dark spot corrector uses special peptides to visibly reduce the appearance of dark spots, age spots, and yes, even sunspots that the summer leaves behind. GenuCell has been family owned and operated since day one. They know times are tough for all of us and that's why they have not and will not raise prices on their world-class skin care. Results are real. Millions of Americans, including myself, are in love. GenuCell guarantees results are your money back. And sign up for GenuCell's best-in-class rewards program at checkout for an extra 10% off your order and receive a complimentary gift set. Go to GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Dave and enter Dave at checkout for those extra summer savings. And right now, uh, their most popular package includes GenuCell's immediate effects treatment for results in as little as 10 hours, 12 hours. Go to GenuCell.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay. So if you didn't think Jean Corinne and Janet Yellen, if you didn't think that their messaging was bad, we feel things, we've got hope. We know the whole thing's going to shit, but we're sitting here and we're talking. That's what we do. Here is Michigan Democrat Debbie Stabenow. And she is at a hearing about gas prices and inflation and all that stuff. And don't worry, guys. She's doing okay. She's doing just fine because she's got an electric car and also has a fresh perm. I do have to say just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies and the uh, international markets. My God, that woman is a very, very special combination of smug, condescending, evil, and stupid. With everything going on in the country right now, as she sits there in her obviously very expensive pantsuit and her hair that had just been done, which I'm sure cost you know, probably a thousand bucks. How much does it cost for a chick to get a do like that? It costs you. <laughs> That was the fastest I ever saw you give up. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? I go to Supercuts, man. 
the point is it costs a lot of money to get a hairdo like that, okay? Uh, and she is telling people with that smile on her face, don't worry about me, I have an electric car right now and uh, I'll be okay, you suckers. Man, these people are so smug and evil. I wanna say for a moment, just on a personal note about this, I, I have a Tesla. I have a Model X Tesla. It is not cheap, I lease it, by the way. Uh, that was the, just the choice that we made. Probably not the best choice because Teslas are gonna be around for a long time and the resale value on them will continue to go. But our, our choice was to lease it. Um, it is extremely expensive. It's, we probably could have got four sort of regular SUVs for what I'm paying per month on this thing. Uh, but it was a choice that we made. It's a really cool car and a cool innovation. And I am extremely blessed that I'm doing pretty decently thanks to the kindness of strangers like you guys. Uh, and it's an awesome car and all of those things. But I know I'm in a very special category of this, okay? Um, the idea that these people, these, these politicians, a Democrat politician in Michigan, Michigan, which has a really banged up economy. I mean, go to Detroit. It's like, you know, it's basically going to some sort of dystopian sci-fi future. Um, that they can sit there and smile and talk about their cars as it's their policies that are driving up the price of gas for your car. It never ends with these people. But if you think that one was bad, I mean, man, we are painting a picture today. If these clowns in these clips that I have not shown you uh, was, was bad enough so far, here's Biden Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. And I kind of respect her on this one because she, she just kind of admits we don't know what the hell we're doing. What is actually still on the table, though, to bring gas prices down at this point? Because the president has said and made very clear that there's not much left that he can do. Yes, good morning. Thank you for having me. Unfortunately, that is the brutal reality. <laughs> That's my favorite clip of the day. Yes, good morning. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. What are you, why am I even here? Do I have a job? What are these people doing? These people pretending to be in charge. There's nothing we can do. How am I supposed to? I'm the, I'm the commerce secretary. What do you want me to do about this? I thought I was a secretary, not someone supposed to be in charge of anything. Okay, but of all of their messaging so far, if it's, it's just all terrible. You guys get it. It's all terrible. They're throwing crap on us at all times. Uh, but then their other thing, if the, uh, you know, lying about the economy as they destroy it, as, as if that's not bad enough. The big thing with the Democrats now is sexualizing children. And, uh, you know, call me old school, but back in my day, that was something that was frowned upon. But the, everybody, every Democrat, they seem to love it now. A bunch of trannies, you know, dancing around or whatever they are, drag queens, you know, dancing around with kids and blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is, uh, you may remember this one. We, this is from about like a month and a half ago during the don't say gay brouhaha here in Florida. This is a, a Florida state senator. His name's Gary Farmer. And he wrote, Florida's don't say gay bill is a cruel attempt to erase LGBTQ children and families in our communities. I will not back down from fighting to protect children and families in our state from this unwarranted hate. Let Florida free, let free Florida say gay. Put that image up again. Look at this clown. And then he puts black tape over his mouth and says gay on it. I mean, there used to be clubs in Chelsea. You'd have to pay people to do that for you. Uh, so I responded to him because I believe that uh, we should engage with these people. I said, hey, Senator, as a new Floridian, I'd love to have you on my show to discuss why you want a state employee to talk to a first grader about sexuality and then be able to hide that conversation from the child's parents. Let me know when you're available. That tweet got about 20,000 retweets. His original tweet got like two likes. Uh, he did not 
respond. So I'm trying, I'm really trying my best to engage with these people. And uh, I would have, you know, taken the tape off his mouth and sat down with him and treated him as respectfully as I would treat anyone else on the program. Uh, but it's not just these people. Uh, then there is the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. And they have this certified lunatic. I mean, a racist, crazy woman who does a show in the middle of the day, I think, uh, Joy Reid. And uh, she just wants you to know that, uh, you know, Republicans, they love death. And okay, set aside ideological or emotional safety. We're not allowed to feel physically safe anywhere in America. Thanks to Republicans' ironclad partnership with the blood-soaked NRA, which long ago quit the gun safety business and has been working for decades to ensure that the most lethal arms get into as many alienated 18- and 19-year-old incel hands as possible so that we can't feel safe at Walmart, at the supermarket, at Bible study or church service, at the salon, at the hospital, if, God forbid, some guy gets mad at his doctor for not giving him opioids, at a nightclub, at a concert, even at a funeral or at school, whether you're in high school or you're 10 and in the fourth grade. In America, and only in America, you are literally rolling the dice every time you leave your house or drop off your kids at school. And you just have to pray that today is not your day or their day to meet that angry, alienated American man with an AR-15. You see what they do? Imagine the mental state you'd have to be in if you watched that channel all day long, the endless psychotic fear that keeps you watching. Uh, also, it's not literally roll the dice unless people are literally playing craps all day long, lady. It's metaphorically roll the dice. I use the little word literally, liberally sometimes myself, but that's just an aside. But if you're watching that and you're listening to her and then you walk outside, you think you're gonna be shot. You go to the hair salon and you think you're gonna be shot. You go to the hospital and you think you're gonna be shot. Strangely, I'm guessing that uh, Joy Reid, uh, I'm willing to make a $10 bet on this one. Uh, there was a crazy stabbing at the Encino Hospital, which is where I used to live in Los Angeles a couple days ago. A crazy person just bust into the hospital and stabbed a couple nurses and doctors. Um, I'm guessing she didn't cover that. Now, it didn't have the weapon of choice and it happened in Cali and she wouldn't want people to think bad things are happening in Cali because it's got all sorts of uh, laws around to people doing bad things. Um, but these people, their hypocrisy is off the charts. And also the idea that the NRA, now you, again, we can all have an honest assessment and disagreement about some of the things related to guns, okay? And whether it should be uh, 18 to buy a gun or 21 to buy a gun or why you'd be able to say buy a gun at a certain age, but you still can't vote or, or buy a beer, et cetera, et cetera. There's legitimate stuff to talk about, but they want you to constantly be in fear. And they also want to constantly attack the organizations that are defending our right to defend ourselves, right? Uh, governments should not, uh, people should not fear their governments. Governments should fear their people. If you haven't seen V for Vendetta in a while, I highly recommend it. Um, and that is what they are trying to take away from us. The NRA, how many of the mass shooters were NRA members? I'm gonna guess it's zero. I'd love to be fact-checked on this. We can try it real time if you want. How many mass shooters in the United States were members of the NRA? I would bet you it is zero. The NRA takes their job very seriously. You may not like some of the things they, they, they do. I don't need to make this about the NRA. And I'm not gonna sit here defending every, every policy decision that they've done. But the point is there are all sorts of organizations that help good people learn about what their rights are, good people learn about uh, weapons safety, et cetera, et cetera. So 
this attack, this idea that the Republicans just want to work with the honoree and they want blood-soaked people and they want you to be freaking out when you're going to the YMCA or when you're going to Chipotle. It ain't true. Oh, and thank you for fact-checking me live. We love that. From Quora.com, uh, zero mass shooters were registered uh, NRA members. So chalk one up for me. Uh, but okay, it's not just their messaging on the economy that's terrible and they don't know what's going on and they're admitting it and they're telling you we feel a certain way even though it has nothing to do with reality and it's not just they're lying to you about you know when you're gonna go out and get shot. Uh, they're also lying to you and they've been lying to you forever about masks. So there's this, and COVID and all that stuff. So there's this woman, Stacey Abrams. Nobody knows what her qualifications are. Nobody knows why they know her, but the media just loves her, right? They just love this woman. Uh, here she is, this is yesterday or the day before, uh, and she's in a photo op. Why anyone want to take a picture with this woman who, as far as I can tell, has accomplished nothing other than losing uh, a race in Georgia and then claiming that she won. But when you're a Democrat, you're allowed to do that. But people want to take pictures with her, apparently. And here's this kid trying to take a picture with her. And of course, the kid, well, you take a look. I'm going to do something mildly obnoxious. Come here. Come on. Yeah. You've got a phone, right? Come on. You seem really excited. So I'm just showing you the endless hypocrisy of these people. So that fat woman, and I only mention that she's fat because she is fat and obesity is one of the major things that when COVID was a real thing, remember when, remember COVID, remember COVID, remember berries, you guys remember COVID, remember COVID, um, that we were told that, you know, obesity was one of the reasons uh, one of the comorbidities that you would be more affected by COVID, right? Uh, of course, then they closed all the gyms and they had us all ordering Chinese food every day. But okay, put that aside for a second. Uh, she had been caught a couple times, maskless, taking pictures with kids. So just the, the, the absolute absurdity, the hubris of these people. She's, I don't know what event she's doing. It doesn't even matter. Some idiotic, progressive, nonsensical palooza, whatever it is. But she's there, she's got no mask on, you've got kids there with masks, and then when the kid approaches her, then you take the mask off. This is the same thing that we see with Joe Biden all the time, right? He walks out of Air Force One with a mask, even though we know he wasn't wearing a mask when he was in there. Then he gets down to the stairs and he gets up to the dignitary of whatever country he's in, he takes off the mask, he shakes their hands, he says hello to them, he kisses, he sniffs the hair. Blah! God, evil people. Uh, the point is, that it doesn't look good for voters who were kids. These kids were not allowed to go to school or these kids had to wear masks. And then you have this obese woman not wearing a mask and then inviting the children up to take off their mask. If you, if, the point is if you buy into any of their bullshit, then they're showing you right in front of your face that it's bullshit. But they, they also just keep everyone in a constant state of hysteria. And it's not just about guns and it's not just about COVID. The one that they're really gonna be pushing on us going forward is climate change because these people are freaking out, right? The earth used to cool, now it's getting hotter, then it's getting cooler, then it's hotter, okay? But these people, if they just had enough power, if they just had enough tax money, if those evil Republicans weren't doing stuff with those fossil fuels, everything would be okay. So here is New York Times op-ed writer, and I think he was former founder of Vox, if I'm not mistaken, Ezra Klein. And look at this post, look at this post. Uh, this is, he wrote this in the New York Times. Over the past few years, I've been asked one question more than any other. 
It comes up at speeches, at dinners, in conversation. It's the most popular query when I open my podcast to suggestions. Time and again, it comes in two forms. The first, should I have kids given the climate crisis they will face? The second, should I have kids knowing they will contribute to the climate crisis the world faces? I would like to be very clear about my next statement because as you know, I toured with Jordan Peterson and he always says that you have to be very careful with your words. Leftism is a mental disorder. These people are living in an alternate reality and there is no stopping them from that reality. You can maybe rescue a couple people. You can toss, you know, it's just think of a sort of bottomless pit, right? And occasionally you can, you know, toss in your lure. You can throw your fishing rod and you can toss in something and maybe you can pull somebody out. But these people, if you are walking around thinking that you shouldn't have kids, because of the environment, or you're gonna have less kids because of the environment, or you're not gonna go on a trip because of the gas, or whatever. You are in a completely insane mental state. So let's just assume that what he's, now first off, I don't even know, I'll assume that he's saying something true, that that is the query he gets most when he opens his podcast that I'm sure nobody's listening to, and when he does his shows or whatever, and it's all about that, and it's like, man, you know, I, I've just been on the road. Nobody asked me about climate change. Nobody would, actually tons of people, I met tons of people who were pregnant, who were expanding their family, who were very excited about the future of America, who were excited to get past all this woke bullshit and live good lives. But progressivism needs a certain level of fear and anxiety and depression. That is the fuel for it. The fuel for what we're doing is freedom. Freedom, live freely, man. Figure it out. Good luck to you. I'll meet you on the other side. But for them, it is, my God, I'm gonna be shot, or I'm going to die of COVID, or the environment, or maybe dinosaurs are coming back. I don't know, we could be in a lot of trouble, the robots. It's endless, it's absolutely endless. Uh, and then of course, you know, if you were to even say, uh, you know, I'm not that concerned about climate change, I, I don't know, maybe we'll see what happens. You know, sometimes uh, these charts turn out to be wrong, or the data's missing. Most likely they'll call you a racist, or a bigot, or a homophobe. And speaking of homophobes, uh, here is ESPN. Now, ESPN, of course, that used to be a sports uh, broadcasting network. Uh, actually, little known fact, when I was in college, I wanted to be an ESPN anchor. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a sports center anchor. I ended up, I guess, doing something somewhat similar. Uh, but ESPN, which is no longer a sports network, it's just like this woke programming bonanza of insanity. Uh, they have a great show. I haven't seen it in years, but 10 or 15 years ago when I cared about this stuff. They had this show called Around the Horn. So they get these uh, four different sports broadcasters from different parts of the nation. And uh, the host just throws questions at them. He gives them points at the end. And then the winner gets to say a little something at the end of the show. It's just a great little gimmick for a show. Uh, this woman, Sarah Spade, she's an ESPN contributor. She was on the show. And the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, they are a baseball team here in Florida. They are putting the gay symbol, the gay ray. It's a gay ray, right? It's a gay ray. I don't even know if they're a gay rays. It's a gay thing on the, they're putting a gay patch over here. It's a gay patch. The gay patch, it'll make you gay if you wear it for four hours. They're putting the gay patch on the, uh, on the uniforms over there. And uh, some of the players didn't want to do it. So you'll never guess what she said about them. He's Tampa pitcher Jason Adam to the Tampa Bay Times. Hard decision because ultimately we all said we want them to know that they are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on or anything or differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage if it 
we believe in Jesus who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Sarah Spain, how does that all come off to you? Pride is about inclusion. So you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic. It's what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences. When you say trying to be bigoted. All right, so the funny part of that that you might have only caught if you're a seasoned around the horn viewer is so the host, as I said, his name's Tony Reality. He gives people points throughout the show and then the winner gets to talk in the end. She had the least amount of points. Uh, so Tony knows what he's doing. Uh, but anyway, everything she says there, it's just the endless woke nonsense, okay? Everyone is entitled to their own religious beliefs. Everyone is entitled uh, to say what they believe on this earth. And if you don't believe in, say, putting a Black Lives Matter logo on you, uh, that is one thing, right? This is the same woman, if, if Colin Kaepernick stood up for what she, for what she, I'm not a biologist, for what he believes, uh, this woman would be applauding it. It's Colin Kaepernick standing up for, up for what he believes, it's fantastic. Now one of these players is just saying, hey, I, I, uh, you're entitled to your own life, but I have my own religious views. Ah, you're bad for saying what you believe. So you have to have tried, it's, I know it's tough, but if you have consistent principles, you'll not be endlessly hysterical because you'll realize that other people have other feelings and then the world continues to go round and round. Uh, then she just makes up like a series of things about how people are uh, punished and can't get things based on uh, their sexuality, you can't get a job or you can't get, what was it? Uh, healthcare, an apartment and blah, blah, blah. No, we have laws around all of these things. Um, so it's just more of the nonsense. But if you think, I'm over promoting their nonsense to you today. Uh, well, the January 6th hearings are happening right now. I haven't covered them, they're complete nonsense. It was unclear to me whether they were on the Cartoon Network or Comedy Central, so I'm not watching them. Uh, but there's a certain set of crazy people who are always worried about COVID and being shot and the racist people coming to get them and the white supremacists that are very, they're very focused on this thing. Uh, now you may remember January 6th, 2021. It was when a couple thousand people walked into the Capitol. Some of them did it uh, violently, but most and by and large did not. Often the officers were kind of letting them walk right in. Nobody had weapons really. There was no plan. Apparently one guy had a Lego set of the Capitol. I mean, that guy should really be, you know, an adult playing Lego. Something's going on. But the point is, uh, it's, it's a farce. It's an absolute distraction and a farce, but they need a distraction and the farce because of all the reasons I've been talking about here, because so much is going so wrong with their policies. Uh, here's representative, he's a Democrat, of course, representative Steve Cohen. And of course he wants you to be very scared about Trump and the white people. The Justice Department, DHS saying it's no better today, the environment, particularly as it relates to elections, violence around elections like you witnessed yourself on January 6th, no better today than it was prior to January 6th. I, I wonder, for folks watching at home now, should they be concerned that these midterms coming up might be marred by violence? We all should be concerned about the midterms being harmed, and all public officials should be concerned about their own safety, I fear. Uh, Jonathan Martin, our friend who wrote uh, This Shall Not Pass, makes that clear in his book that this is something that is a continuing part of American government, American politics, the, the big lie continues, 
the fealty yeah. to Trump continues, and the encouragement to the white supremacist and the terrorist to, to be involved continues. Did someone find me a white supremacist? Guys, can one of you find me a white supremacist? Where are they? Can someone get me a white supremacist? I would like to find a white supremacist. I will take a white supremacist out to lunch to learn what they're thinking because these people are always talking about white supremacists. I cannot find any. A, a, a legitimate white supremacist. Now, are there somewhere? Are there, they're there. I guess there's a white supremacist somewhere. Are there racist people? Of course. But this idea that there are white supremacists, people who want white people to reign supreme and who are in the United States government and secretly planning so that there will be laws for white people and laws for black people, it simply doesn't exist unless you're a progressive, in which case you do think that there should be certain laws and benefits based on skin color. That's a leftist idea. Okay, there is no one, there is literally no mainstream conservative Republican who is pushing anything close to the racist nonsense that the lefties are pushing every day. But they need you to be very fearful because they know they're gonna get shellacked. They're gonna get shellacked. I don't wanna be too overconfident and you shouldn't be overconfident. We gotta make sure we go out there and vote, but they're gonna get shellacked. So they're prepping their people. Oh, they're gonna be violent. Oh, they're not gonna accept the results of the election or they're gonna rig the election, et cetera, et cetera. And they think that might be a winning message. If you can keep everybody thinking COVID's coming back and white people are coming to get you and you're gonna be shot and all of the stuff. It's very, it's very lofty and uh, you know, very exciting, wouldn't you say? Uh, but every now and again, something happens on mainstream media that allows you to see through the veil. There is a woman who has been guest hosting on the program known as The View, which is where five generally crazy women who used to not be insane sit and bicker at each other. Um, and uh, her name is Lindsey Granger, and she is a conservative. She's been a guest host, and she has been knocking it out of the park over there. We, we got to get her on the show. Can we reach out to her? Um, and she yesterday was talking to Joy and Whoopi and the other, oh, and Sonny Hostin and watch Sonny Hostin. Sonny Hostin, who's a racist and really, a, you can just tell she's a terrible person. When I show you this clip, really watch Sonny Hostin, the way she looks at Lindsey Granger. The whole purpose of The View was that we were gonna get different women. This is what Barbara Walters always said. We're gonna get different women from different views to sit and respectfully talk. And that's what the show did for a long time. I want you to really look at the way Sonny Hostin looks at Lindsey Granger for having a different point of view. But Lindsey Granger's main point here is that Focusing on January 6th is a losing message for the Democrats. She's trying to tell the Democrats, hey, do a little bit better and just watch the way they respond to her. I think the average Fox News viewer has been seeing for a year and a half this play out over and over again. Rioters attack our capital. We've seen it on every single channel, even Fox Local, if you watch that. So people understand exactly what happened. And so what is the smoking gun here? What we is the breaking yet. news? Well, that's I know, what but we're I waiting for. People will turn in once the Department of Justice says, okay, here are the charges. Well, I have because to disagree wait, wait, with wait, you wait, there. Let me finish. We want some criminal charges if that's what you want. That's what we'll see next. We're not even going to see that in these nine hearings. No. Mm -hmm. And then if we think about the actual intention of this, there's a sentiment that Democrats need to rebrand this midterm message, right? So by airing this, you're going to remind everybody like, hey, Trump is aligned with other conservatives. And even though that's not always true, there's plenty of people who spoke out against this. And so now, reminder, don't vote for these people in the midterms because you want to keep the majority. And I think that that is a losing message by looking in the past and not looking in the future because there's things on top of mind for people. There are things like feeding your baby, which I talked about yesterday. There are things on top of mind like people wanted to know if a recession is looming. There are things on top of mind like wondering how to pay for your gas. Refreshing hearing people tell the truth. I mean, this is a conservative woman sitting with four or five liberals 
Uh, and the way that Sonny Hostin, that face, that Sonny Hostin face, like what, how condescending, how, like what is the purpose? What is the purpose of sitting at a table every day with other people, with other views, if you're, if when someone says something you don't like, that is your reaction to it, right? And everything uh, that Lindsay said there, not only was true, she's tipping off, she's tipping these people off. Hey guys, your message of focusing on January 6th, nobody really cares about it. And I love when she says, what's the smoking gun? And Joy says, I don't know. Well, she basically is like, I don't know. We'll find out. That's what we're looking for. It's like, if we don't know the freaking smoking gun a year and a half into this nonsense, there ain't no smoking gun, just like there were no guns brought by any of the protesters on January 6th. Uh, but there's more, and it involves a woman who normally is on The View, Anna Navarro. Uh, she was on CNN. I don't know how this woman bounces around from network to network with so little skill, but they keep putting her on. Uh, and she got into a little bit of a debate with Jonah Goldberg about guns. And again, listen to the way they need hysteria. Jonah tries to explain, hey, there's other problems, other ways people can get killed, but Anna ain't having any of it. So you're absolutely right to be outraged about the crime, but if we're gonna tell people they should be terrified about their kids being dropped off at school, we should no, remind them that their I, kids I, are I, more I in danger we were... on the drive to school, statistically, no, no, than they no, are no, at no, the school. No, no, we no, 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 we, we can't say, do this. No, but we, we can't, a child's life cannot be a statistic, right? You can't tell the parents of Joaquin Oliver, of Parkland. You can't tell yeah, Fred Gutenberg. Yeah, but that's you can't bullying. tell my cousins. I'm making a basic point to say that you shouldn't tell people that they should be terrified. If it were your but child, it was not gonna, it would not be a, a statistic. It would be a tragedy that you would never, that. ever That's moral bullying. bullying. Why that's, is that's it more, why is, is it moral bullying? bullying? Well, well, it well, sound as if I don't have compassion for these no, people. Of course you do. You're talking about that statistic and probabilities that we should I'm saying you shouldn't tell American, you shouldn't tell the audience that this is the thing that they should be so terrified with, paralyzed with fear about their own kids when their kids are more likely yeah. to die from a lot of other well, things. Hold on, Poor Jonah Goldberg trying to say something true on cable news, well, on CNN or MSNBC, and it ain't easy. Of course he's right, of course he's right. There's all sorts of reasons, psychologically and actually factually, that you wouldn't, why you wouldn't wanna tell your children that they're gonna go out and get killed when they go to school and everything else, the damage you could be doing to these kids. And Anna Navarro, they, this is what they do with everything, right? You overly emote. The children are not a statistic. The children are not a statistic. He didn't say the children are a statistic. He was trying to talk about actually how people die and what your chances of getting shot are and everything else. Uh, but this is what they, and then they, you know, it's, they're very enraged and blah, blah, blah. And, and Jonah's line that this is moral bullying. It was actually a great line because that's what they do with everything. It's moral bullying. She's trying to imply that he doesn't care about kids who are shot. And that's not what he's saying at all. This is what they absolutely do. Or they bring on actors. And now here is an actor. I haven't shown you a Hollywood, a good old fashioned Hollywood actor in a while. Well, here is Robert De Niro, okay? Robert De Niro went on the Stephen Colbert program. I don't think anyone's watching it. Actually, uh, my buddy Greg Gutfeld, he has the number one show on late night television right now. It's crushing Colbert, even though Colbert probably has 100 people that work for him. And Gutfeld literally has, I think, four people that work on his show. It's awesome. Uh, but De Niro went on Colbert to defend Joe Biden because he's an actor and actors act and they act and they make up scripts and they hopefully try to pass it as truth. But I think you're going to see right through it. 
Like, I know that you, you, you have a fair amount of, uh, you have emotions about politics. You have thoughts, of course, yes. first. Those stir emotions. I know you have some anxiety about the state of politics in the United States. Having a new guy at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, has that, have you sleep any better at night? Yes. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he, he got us into calm waters. That was yeah. always the idea. Yeah. He's doing a very good job. It's a tough one. I couldn't imagine. I, I, I could imagine how difficult it is. Um, I have decisions in my own personal life that, that I imagine that what he goes through is a hundred times that. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, no, he's doing the best he can, and, and uh, we got to get through a bad period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Well, Joe's doing the best he can, but, you know, the audience applause. He's got Biden now. It's all very exciting. Uh, let's not forget, uh, De Niro, he is quite a political analysis, okay? This is a guy who knows what he's doing. He thinks through the issues. He makes calm and reasoned arguments why he likes Joe Biden. You just heard it there, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, he's doing fine. Uh, and you may remember this one. This was one of, we had to go through it. There's a whole bunch of them. This is one of his best. I thought this, the way he sort of really captures everything about Donald Trump right here. I'm gonna say one thing, fuck Trump. You get it? I think you get it. All right, so now let me, try to bring us into the home stretch here. Uh, one of the things that I've really been trying to talk about for the last year here is that good liberalism will not work. There is no evidence that it works. Uh, the people that try to be the non-woke liberals, they fail at every level. And what they can do in my estimation, and it is what I have done, is ally with conservatives. Say, hey, I disagree with you on a couple things, or we have our own personal beliefs that are a little bit different, but we kind of want to live in the same country. And what can uh, grow out of that, what can flower out of that, is that a guy like me, who certainly is not a traditional conservative, can tour around the country on a best-selling book and have an audience that is probably 95% conservative, and they all show up, and we sell out all the shows, and it goes really well, and we all revel in our differences and, and really revel in the fact that we want to keep this country uh, as great as it was and could be again. Uh, but, but it seems like there's a certain set of liberals that cannot do this. So now I'm going to do a little bit of tough love on some people that I like, okay? So as I mentioned at the top of the show uh, yesterday, there were a bunch of primaries across the nation yesterday. One of the primaries was the California gubernatorial primary. So first off, I'm mentioning California, so I will put more money in the jar here, and eventually we will send a Democrat out of Florida. Very exciting. Uh, but a guy who I consider a friend, who is a good, decent human being, uh, an environmentalist and an activist, Michael Schellenberger, he ran as an independent against Gavin Newsom. Uh, I've had him on the show twice. He's had dinner at my house. So Michael, hopefully if you see this clip, you will realize I am not attacking you personally. I'm talking about tactics right now. So Gavin Newsom won by a landslide last night. Believe it or not, the people of California, they want more of this nonsense. So uh, Schellenberger sent out a tweet uh, once the results came in. He said, dear friends and allies, I am sad to say we did not receive enough votes to make the runoff election in November. At the same time, I am proud of the movement we built to rescue our shared humanity and excited about what we will do together 
Next. Now, okay, I just want to say one more time. I like Michael. I think fighting the good fight is a valuable thing. As you guys know, when I lived in California, I fought the good fight. I fought for the California recall election. I campaigned with Larry Elder. I believe that good people should stay and fight to the best of their ability. So what, I, what, what I'm really framing this around right now is results. If you keep going to something that does not work, as opposed to looking in a different direction and going, oh, there are greener pastures over there. There are people that I can ally with over there. Uh, then, then at some point the product is not good anymore. And that's what I would say the product of liberalism, uh, where the product of liberalism is at at the moment. It does not work. So now let's show the results of the election last night. Uh, the election, Gavin Newsom, so the, the voting turnout was extremely low. Uh, Gavin Newsom got 1.4 million votes, okay? This is the largest, most populous state in the, in the union. 1.4 million votes. Uh, the second, and this is who he's gonna run against, this guy, Brian Dahl, who's the Republican, he got about 346,000 votes. Uh, Schellenberger came in fourth with 68,000 votes. 68,000 votes. Um, I mean, I, I could have run. I could have just said I was running and not even lived there and I would have got more than 68,000 votes. I don't mean this as an attack on Michael. I wanna be very clear on that one more time. What I mean is that those people, the people that voted for you or Bill Maher who put you on his show last week or all of the sort of IDW related liberals, the non-woke liberals who are still all pretending that conservatives are bad people and Republicans are mean or something like that. At some point you are doing damage. You are no longer doing something good because the fight is worthy, it is worthy, it is worthy. And I'm not saying you should abandon any of your ideals, but there's a difference between having ideals and a set of values and everything else. And then also at some point you have to put them into action. And if you keep going in a direction that they don't work and a populist tells you we're not interested in this or the machine is so corrupt that you can't do anything and you don't say I have to change my tactics, um, then there's a problem. And I would juxtapose this with what happened with Larry Elder. So Larry Elder, during the recall, Larry Elder, who is a libertarian, a conservative, he got 4.8 million votes in California for the recall. Schellenberger got 68,000 votes, trying it the other way. Larry Elder, I mean, there, there's almost no Republicans in California, um, but Larry Elder got almost 5 million votes in the recall. Uh, so that is, the problem, Schellenberger's politics are probably more in line with the average California citizen, but they don't show up. The progressive virus has infected these people. So the point is that good liberalism, good liberalism, right? Enlightenment liberalism, it doesn't work within our political system today. And if you are a good liberal, you're in essence, you're a modern conservative. And there's other evidence for this, right? So I'm not making this about Schellenberger in any way personally. There's plenty of other evidence about this because you remember Andrew Yang, Andrew Yang, who when, when he was running, all the good non-woke liberals, the same people, many of whom were supporting Schellenberger, they were all supporting Yang. And I had Yang on the show. I thought he was a decent guy, uh, but to me it was too much big government stuff and I don't agree with UBI and whatever, but of course I treated him with respect and I thought it was, it, there was something refreshing there. Um, but it was one of those things where it was obvious to me he was gonna have no real support so all it was really doing was causing the good liberals, instead of saying, oh, I'm a good liberal and oh, I'm gonna have to swallow that horrible red pill and vote for Donald Trump and stop this progressive madness, instead I'm gonna support Andrew Yang and nothing will happen of it. Thus, it will all be sort of virtue signaling, the same virtue signaling we're always making fun of the left for. So when Andrew Yang dropped out, remember this, this is from The Guardian, entrepreneur Andrew Yang 
has dropped out of the race to become the 2020 Democrat presidential candidate, ending an upstart campaign that rose from complete obscurity to competitiveness. Yang ended his campaign as ballots were still being counted in the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday. With earlier results, he had failed to win even 3% of the vote. Endings are hard and I've always had the intention to stay in this race, he told supporters in Manchester. I am the math guy and it's clear from the numbers we're not going to win this campaign. So there were all these people online and again, all of the good liberals, Yang's gonna do it. He's gonna moderate them. He's, you know, it's all gonna be Andrew Yang and we'll stop the wokesters. And he got less than 3% of the vote and then dropped out early. So again, this isn't necessarily an attack on Yang. It certainly is not an attack on uh, Michael Schellenberger, but the good liberal thing does not work. It's a sad reality as a guy that wrote my first book was all about that good liberal thing and it does not work politically in America today. And I think also, you know, there's a certain type of person that that appeals to and a guy like Andrew Yang, you know, he also showed in subsequent things that he was gonna fold no matter what. You may remember, remember uh, about a month and a half ago or was it, it might've been even three months ago at this point, when uh, the whole world for three days was calling Joe Rogan a racist, right? Because Joe Rogan had a couple doctors on who didn't agree with the mainstream narrative about COVID. So then some people dug up times that Joe Rogan said the N-word, even though he wasn't saying the Edward to be racist. Well, Andrew Yang, uh, well, we've got info from the Hill here. Former presidential candidate Andrew Yang published and then deleted a tweet on Sunday defending Joe Rogan, the divisive Spotify host, uh, against criticism related to his past use of racial slurs. I don't think Joe Rogan is a racist. The man interacts with and works with black people literally all the time. Yang said a tweet on Sunday afternoon. Do I know black friends of Joe's who would swear by him? Yes, I do, added Yang, who appeared on Rogan's podcast in 2019 during his campaign for president. The point is that Yang then deleted that tweet. Then, you know, the progressives started yelling at Yang, no, Rogan is a racist, then he deleted it. So I'm, I'm trying to show you, like, I'm, you, I think you see what I'm doing here. I'm trying to paint you some rough picture. It's not just that the, the old liberal thing doesn't work. It's like, it's appealing to a certain type of person that doesn't want to win in a way, or doesn't really want to stand up for themselves, or is so afraid of their own shadow that they won't dare go to the promised land, right? And it's like, I just can't, I can't do that anymore personally. And I know that most of you watching this, I know how many of you, trust me, I know, I've met a lot of you over the last two months. I know an awful lot of you uh, can't do it anymore either. And, you, and you're sort of, I would say, surprising conservatives in a, in a wide sense of that. Um, the good liberals cave to the woke left and until they decide to, to think about things a little bit differently, uh, they're not going to accomplish anything. You may remember this tweet from my friend Jordan Peterson not too long ago. I wasn't a conservative until liberals kowtowed to radicals, meaning they folded up, they folded up. And of course, what I said there was you're telling me. The radicals didn't make Jordan right wing or conservative. What he's saying there is the good liberals did. The liberals, something must be wrong with liberalism and that weakness, we're not in a time when we can have that weakness right now. So my message to, to anyone that voted for Schellenberger, it's not, or for Michael himself, or for Andrew Yang, or anyone that supports any of those things, or my friends and former colleagues who used to come on this show, it's like, maybe just take a look in the mirror for a second. Maybe realize that the problems right now are not the conservatives, and they're not the libertarians, and that the more that we say, oh, we can win these fights, and then we just fold and get no results, maybe there's a better way to do it. That really, is my message. Join the right. They have cookies. 
There's nothing left to moderate over there. Once we win and we get the country back, then we'll see what we can do over there. We really can, and we'll hash out all the differences on the right, but we got bigger fish to fry at the moment, as they say. I think we're rolling into perhaps our longest show ever right now. Uh, we got a cold close for you in just a moment, but let me get to some locals' comments. Pang01 says, love the show, keep up the good work. I'm trying to move my family to Florida. As a wise uh, green man once said, there is no try, only do. Just get here, man. It's great. I promise you, you will not regret it. I have not met anyone that regrets it. Do you regret it? He doesn't regret it. Do you regret it? He doesn't regret it. It's just great here. Like if you want to be around happy people in a thriving community, wherever you are in Florida, and I've been bouncing all over the state, like it's all here. It's all here. And you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's a little warm right now, a little humid. It's thunderstorms throughout the day. And then, and then it's sunny and good. And it's just, it's all good. It's all good. Texas girl 39 says interview was great. Love DeSantis. Yeah. The guy's the real deal. It ain't going to get better than that. That's the point. I don't believe in worshiping politicians, right? I don't think he's anything other than he is. I think he is a good, decent man trying to defend his state and be a model for the rest of the country. And, uh, and he deserves our support. Jumpin' Jeff says there's something worse than lacking energy policy. It's having an energy policy that will bankrupt the general population, right? So this is the point. It's like, are they intentionally doing it or are they completely inept? I personally am at the point where I cannot believe that these people are so inept. I believe that when they tell you that they want to transfer an economy into a green economy and have uh, uh, AOC, occasional cortexes, uh, Green New Deal or whatever the hell it is, it's like, I believe them when they tell you they're trying to do this and what would, to get us to their green promised land, they might have to wreck the known world as we know it. So I would believe them. By the way, Janet Yellen, who we showed before, who's the secretary of the treasury. She was the president of the economics department at Princeton University. This is not a dumb woman. Now you may say all of the universities and especially Ivy League, they're corrupt and ridiculous and all of those things. But like, this is not an unqualified woman by, by most measures. But when she sits there after we played the video for you last week of this endless, you know, Biden and the entire administration, uh, inflation's not gonna happen, it's gonna be transitory, nobody's saying it's gonna happen, and now they're all admitting it. And basically, she's throwing her hands up and saying, well, we hope it'll get better. It's like, man, could they possibly be as, as inept as they appear to be? It is unclear to me. I, this is it, 54 minutes, people. I think our long, yeah, I'm getting the thumbs up. This was our longest direct message ever. Very exciting. Uh, I think you're gonna enjoy this cold close. I think it will uh, sort of, wrap this thing up nicely together and show you that uh, we had a chance and perhaps we will have a chance sometime soon. He said that the Middle East would be better off with Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein and Assad in power. How does... I didn't say Assad, but we certainly have not gained anything with Gaddafi. And you, you look at what happened. I mean, look at Libya, look at Iraq. Iraq used to be no terrorist. He would kill the terrorists immediately. It was like, now it's the Harvard of terrorism. Iraq. If you look at Iraq from years ago, I'm not saying he was a nice guy. He was a horrible guy. But it was a lot better than it is right now. Right now, Iraq is a training ground for terrorists. Right now, Libya, nobody even knows Libya. Frankly, there is no Iraq and there is no Libya. It's all broken up. They have no control. Nobody knows what's going on. So the on. world would be better off with Saddam Hussein 100%. and Gaddafi in power? 100%. Now, were, as far as Assad is concerned, What about the about, human rights abuses? Let's and, talk about, well, you don't think they're happening now? They're worse now than they ever were. People are getting their heads chopped off. They're being drowned. They're, right now, they're far worse than they were ever under Saddam Hussein or Gaddafi. I mean, look what happened. 
Libya's a catastrophe. You look at our ambassador as an example, okay? Uh, Libya's a disaster. Iraq is a disaster. Syria's a disaster. The whole Middle East. And it all blew up around Hillary Clinton and around Barack Obama. It all blew up. Mr. Vice President, thank you. Thanks for your time. Please come back in less than 13 years, sir. All right, Chuck. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Uh, it's Chris, I but mean, anyway. Chris. I just did Chris. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.